You're listening to a sermon from Covenant Church. Hey everybody, my name's Steve, if we haven't met. And can we just appreciate those who serve our youth? There's a great team of volunteers that works with the middle school, junior high folks, and the high school folks. If any of those, there's a bunch in the first service. Are there any youth group volunteers in middle or high school here besides Matt Jones? Yeah, stand up, please. Please stand up. Hey, let's thank these people. That's awesome. Thank you. We honor you and we thank you for your work with our students. Uh, Matt Jones and his massive amounts of free time after, you know, with running a mission organization. Matt and Jackie have served in a volunteer capacity in a huge way. And by God's grace, the youth group has grown. And we're in the process of seeking to hire a youth pastor. And that's, we really want to pursue that wisely. So you can pray for that. But by God's grace, the youth ministry is growing. And let's really pray for these retreats that are happening next weekend, later in January. It's really exciting. And we got a lot to do, so I'm just going to dive in. Uh, it was about 20 years ago. Do you remember this? Alan Iverson asked, practice? We talking about practice? <laughs> are we talking about practice? You remember that? We are talking about practice here at Covenant Church. We're talking about a practice of life. And when you look at a rhythm of life, what are you, how do you practice the Christian faith? What does it look like to live as a disciple of Jesus and not just believe what he believes, but live in the pattern of life that he calls us to? And when you look at scripture looking for that, it's actually all over the place. For instance, in Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The Apostle Paul is the first to say, hey, God came to save sinners. I'm sinner number one. He freely admits he still struggles with sin. And also, he says, imitate my pattern of life. And the leaders that you've seen live like we live. Do these things and the God of peace will be with you. You'll experience peace if you practice these things. I recently heard a comedian talking about how his dad watches rage news until he just can't take it anymore. He watches the news till he's like, ah, I can't take it, and then goes to bed. And that could happen, you know, CNN could offer that, Fox will offer that. Would you like to watch outrage news every day? Then get flipped out and go to bed. That's a practice, right? That'll shape you, control you emotionally, capture your attention. They're selling ads, by the way. This is a different practice. He says, and under a pagan emperor who would occasionally commit atrocities, hey, Christians, think about what is good and true. And the good pattern of life that you've observed in us, imitate that, live that practice. Last week, we started a series, and we're going to take breaks, but it's actually going to take a couple years to get through 
to examine the rhythms of life of a disciple and to seek to grow as a church. We want to imitate the pattern of Jesus. We want to practice the practices of Jesus. We want to respond to Jesus as learners and learn of him. And last week, we looked at Matthew 11. Jesus invites us to come and learn of him a different way of life. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His yoke is a non-yoke. His burden is a non-burden. It's actually compared to the world. It's very life-giving. And we contrasted that, and I invite you to listen to that sermon because it is foundational for the whole series. But we contrasted that with what's, what's kind of the autopilot of the world we're in right now. What are the ways that we're being shaped? What are the practices that we, we live in just as Americans, just as people in the West? And we said these things last week. Well, our, our culture is, is <clears throat> super individualistic. There's less community. <coughs> Excuse me. Super individualistic. We're individualistic how we think about everything. And even the standard way to respond to a sermon is a me and Jesus approach instead of an us together, let's learn this together approach. We're consumeristic. Hyper-individualism says you're on your own. Consumerism says you are what you buy. We're self-focused. It's all about us. Overscheduled and overworked. One of the ways that America leads the world, we lead the West in unused vacation days. It's a shame. Hypersexualized in that uh, there's a bipolar message about sex. Sex doesn't mean anything. Don't listen to the people who say it's a big deal. It's not a big deal. Do whatever you want. Also, it's core to your identity. And your sexual desires are core to your identity. Very bipolar message about sex. What does it look like to glorify God with our body? Uh, we're anti-authoritarian in that every basic trust in our institutions, from family to school boards to government to churches to every leaders in business has been lessened recently. And uh, I shared with the 9 a.m. service that Sometimes I feel like, you know what it's like to, uh, I'd love the chance to, the, the long-term Christians here who aren't members, I'd love the chance to explain why to actually commit to the church and why to actually join. I'd love the chance to explain that to you and uh, have some conversation around that. Often I feel like trying to get long-term Christians who've been attending here for a long time to join the church. You know what it's like? It's like trying to get the kitties underneath the couch to come out from under the couch. And the more you're like, it's going to be awesome, come out. It's please join, come to Discover Covenant. The more the kitties get afraid and uh, go further in the couch. That's what it's like. Uh, there's and Jesus loves his church and wants us to trust imperfect leaders. That's the only kind of leaders that are. Leaders that are being sanctified and churches that are growing and have strengths and weaknesses. That's the only kind of church that there is. 
and Jesus is still at work in his church, and he loves his people, and it does take faith to trust in perfect leaders. It does. So we're anti-authoritarian. We're also overindulgent, but pretty much with everything. Like, there are good things in entertainment and in meals and in partying, and also we'll tend to use those gifts as drugs to escape with reality. And so we, we actually said, we just reflected on this for the purpose of, let's just admit, can we examine, can we step back and say, there are ways that we actually have to be deeply transformed to grow as faithful followers of Jesus. We can't just be conformed to the world. You can't just go to the flow. These are all contra Jesus. And we, so these are deforming practices. And we looked at seven discipleship rhythms with which your elders have wrestled with. And we looked at different versions over this uh, several times over the months. And the pastors have been praying about this. We presented this to diaconal leaders too. What are seven practices to pursue as a church? And these are the ones we're going to go after. Worship, embodied devotion. Embodied devotion means like we're going to worship God with our bodies. That's a thing. Jesus, this body is yours. These hands and feet, this our whole body. We're going to offer them to God. Missional encounter. Have a reason for the hope that's in you. Somebody asks you, why are you into Jesus and stuff? Seek to share that. Spiritual friendship. People matter. Is the rhythm of your life leading to ever-deepening relationships? Is the way you're living now leading to deeper friendships? If not, I would invite you to think about how you're living. As Jesus says that's really important. He says to love each other, and he's called us not just servants but friends, and he's actually said to love each other like he's loved us. Friendship matters. Generosity, responding to God with all that we are generously. Sabbath, uh, we're not slaves. You're not your quota. We're actually children. Wasn't that beautiful to sing that new song? Father, we have a father who loves us. And God actually wants us to take a day a week that's centered around not ever more production. That's a yoke. You are what you produce. It sounds like slavery. But we're children who are dearly loved. We worship by resting. And lastly, and we're going to look at this later, late winter, early spring, feasting and fasting. We throw parties that demonstrate the goodness of God. We actually had a wonderful Christmas party with staff and elders and deacons and all of our spouses. And we ate and drank. And we also had a ridiculous, uh, we prayed a bunch. And we also had a ridiculous white elephant gift thing and laughed. But parties are important. Celebration is important. And we want to invite others. We want our table to be like the kingdom of God and that we demonstrate the welcome of the gospel around our table. You want to build community to reach community? Invite someone to your house and have a meal. And there's fasting. There's 
that's actually a thing that's important. Okay, that still exists, and it's good and hard, and yet life-giving. We guard our hearts. We say, God, we don't love you more than your gifts. We love you more. We do love you more than your gifts. We guard our heart. We say, God, we love you more than your gifts, and we express that heart to God through fasting. And just say, God, we want you more. So we're going to pursue all these things. It's important to have the big picture before we dive in, and so that's why... I did that review, okay? That's where we're headed. For the rest of January, we're focusing on worship because it's a foundational discipline. It's a foundational thing. Worshiping the living God, a rhythm of life where we do that together and also private love with God. This morning, we're gonna talk about gathered worship. Next week, Josh Bundy is gonna preach about having a life with God daily. Pray with people, pray with your friends. Pray with your spouse. Pray alone. Have God's word in you. Uh, I'll have a sermon on that as well. We're, we're going to start with worship because the Bible does. And this passage, this is a passage that is, this is basically a long sermon in the book of Hebrews. You can turn there if you'd like. It's page 1007. I'm going to read a passage from Hebrews 10. It's about the priority of worshiping. And it's to people who've been Christians a long time and are tempted to drift. Uh, there's exhortations like, there's words and challenges like, don't let your hearts be hardened. Don't fall away. Don't drift. Don't like quit meeting together. And I invite you to listen to God's word. Uh, it's in the Bibles, it's on the screen. Hebrews 10, listen to the word of God. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word. Three commands, let us. Three times the writer says, let us. Let us do these things. It's about the wonder of worship, the stakes of worship, and the priority of worship. The wonder of worship, the stakes. What's at stake here? And the priority. First, the wonder. What is worship? Let's make it really simple. It's drawing near to God. It's drawing near to God. And there's temple imagery here. Remember, a lot of them are Jews uh, Greek-speaking Jews, and they're familiar with the Old Testament temple. And he says, look, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
we have a confidence, and it's a temple image. The writer of Hebrews has been saying the temple gives us pictures and examples of spiritual realities. Jesus brings us the real thing. In the temple, there was the Holy of Holies, and there was a super tall um, curtain, like 60 to 90 feet, a foot thick curtain that separated worshipers from the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus died, Matthew records that curtain was split in two, Matthew 27. Soon as Jesus dies, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. From top to bottom, it wasn't the earthquake that ripped the temple. God ripped it. And God was saying, Jesus, your good Father who sent Jesus, the one who was holy, sent Jesus to bring us to him. And we have confidence because of Jesus. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And friends, this is how it works. If you're exploring Christianity, this is how it works. We are reconciled to God and can draw near to God because of Jesus and the work of Jesus. And that's referred to here as the blood of Jesus, the blood of his sacrifice. He's saying because of his sacrifice for us. And we have this awesome priest over the house of God. And he's a priest for all time. He never dies. And he's offered the perfect sacrifice. The old priest's priest had to offer sacrifices again and again and again. This priest has come, he lives forever, and he's offered the once-for-all sacrifice. And we, with confidence, can draw near. But let me tell you something that you might miss. As modern people, we can think lightly of drawing near to God. And if you don't get the holiness, you don't get the wonder. What if I was going to introduce you to someone, and I was like, this person is actually absolutely perfect, and holy and can see right through you can see your what you're thinking will be able to instantly size you up know everything you've ever done actually what you're thinking all your motives you think that through that's unnerving right god is holy they only had one priest go into the holy holies once a year and even then there were things he couldn't look at God taught holiness and then he rips that curtain. And Jesus is the sacrifice that's brought us through the curtain. He's brought us to God. If you don't get the holiness of God, you don't get the wonder of worship. Uh, if you don't get the holiness of God, you're missing out on the magnitude of what Jesus is and how, how it's a miracle that we can sing. We have a father that loves us. And God has given us the gift of music to just sing that so we get it in our hearts. We have a Father who loves us. We have a Father who loves us. Are you missing the wonder of worship? It's not just another activity. If we think of it lightly, uh, we'll tend to treat it as just like another helpful activity. He's saying come with a true heart. The writer says, come with a true heart. It means a sincere heart. 
ready to meet with God. We have hearts sprinkled. There's baptism in imagery. We come as baptized people who, who've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that cleansing and all that means, all that God has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, just as water washes dirt away, our sins are washed away. Do you see the wonder? Here's a tip and a warning. Don't miss the wonder. We'll be tempted to treat these things lightly, coming into God's presence when the awareness of the reality of sacred things is dim. It's like I want to hit the gym. I'm going to do some reorganization this weekend. And church is another good activity that I'll try to fit in to improve my life. No. God is the center. And we're to come with reverence and awe. Two chapters later, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. This God who welcomes us in is not to be trifled with. He's not a joke. He's not your personal assistant. He's the living God, the creator of the universe. And he sent his son. And we come with, with awe. And look what we get to do. God wants us to know we're his kids. The God who is a consuming fire and will purify the universe of all sin is also a loving father who sent his son Jesus. And we hold those things together. Come with awe. Don't treat it as a light thing. Don't miss the wonder. And let's build our lives around it. It's a big deal what we get to do. The wonder of worship. What are the stakes of worship? The preacher immediately moves on with the stakes of worship. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised us faithful. Hope is interchangeable in the English language with wish, that's not biblical hope. The word used is a confident expectation. Hey, we have confident expectation. God is God. Jesus is his son. We're destined to be with him. You too will be resurrected. There is a confident hope. He's like, we want to hang on in worship. We say, we proclaim that hope, and we seek to hold fast to it. Hope means a confident expectation. It's not a wish. And this confession, it's not a statement of, of repentance. Here it's a statement of faith, a confession. This is what we profess. This is what we proclaim. Our confession is Jesus is Lord. In Hebrews 3, this is kind of a theme verse, okay? Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus is our Savior. What's the alternative to holding fast and hanging on to that, building your life on that, living out of that comfort, that comfort in life, in death, no matter what happens to you? What's the alternative? Falling away, flaking out, freaking out, Drifting. We talked about this several times, but COVID made everyone's life weird. 
and we're still recovering. And there's a lot of people, you ask them, are you, you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you go to church and stuff? Ah, you know, COVID was weird. I was watching online and what happened? Are you holding fast? Here's how to deconvert. You want a tip on how to deconvert? Don't worship with the people of God. Don't receive communion. Don't pray. Don't hang out with Christians and be encouraged in that and be supported in that and have people pray with you, for you, and don't serve. Uh, Don't pray. Don't have the word. And you'll be immersed in in a world of other liturgies. You will not be just in neutral land. You will be caught up in a culture that worships other things. And you'll be shaped by that. James K.A. Smith has written about how worship is counter-formation. Hey, the world's forming us, the culture's forming us. You are to your own, you are what you produce. You're your sexual desires, those are super important. You should be a new, more awesome version of you. Here's how to do that. Worship is counter-formation. Listen to this quote. Christian worship, we should recognize, is essentially a counter-formation to those rival liturgies. By liturgy, he means a story and a ritual that it, it tells a story about who you are and what you're for. It's essentially a counterformation to those rival liturgies we are often immersed in, cultural practices that covertly capture our loves and longings, miscalibrating them, orienting us to rival versions of the good life. Here's a worship center. We call this the worship center. There's another worship center. It's called the mall. (laughs) I'm not against the mall, okay? I like to go to the mall. (laughs) But James K.A. Smith has pointed out there's sort of a liturgy to it. You, You go in and visions of the good life are being presented to you, illustrated even pictorially. You can be like this. You should be like this. I opened up Facebook yesterday. Facebook statistically makes you less content because everyone's editing their life. You know, no one's like, I was really stupid today. Here are the things I did. You know, we edit our life, filter it, and present it to other people. And it's a way to grow in envy bad for everybody, particularly bad for those who are young. Uh, It's a shaping ritual. And this is why James K. Smith points out what the Bible teaches, worships at the heart of discipleship. Is this our practice, that priority? Uh, The world will say, hey, you can uh, be a better version of you, buy some things, buy these things. Be a better, you'd be a better version of you, a more content version of you, and have more fu- a fulfilled life version of you if you gave full vent to your sexual desires in this way. And God tells a, a different story that's actually true. It seems upside down, but it's actually right side up. 
The stakes are high. Uh, the world says, what you have, what you've achieved is the most important. Someone sent me this article recently. The Wall Street Journal just came out with this article on that. What's the number one marker for health and happiness? What is the number one thing people need to have for happiness and health? Personal connections, deep relationships. Is it surprising that the one thing that people most need, COVID actually messed up, the one thing that people most need is deep connections, deep friendships, deep relationships? Je Jesus calls us to that. He says, you're not just servants, you're friends. Now love each other in that same way that you've, I've loved you. And we need personal connections. Is the pattern of our life leading to deeper friendships? Remember when everyone was freaked out by Russian bots? You know, hey, Russian bots are spreading lies online. There are other messengers, even supernaturally evil ones, that spread things that aren't true and are actually deforming and were bad for us. Uh, we're not afraid in ways of how we're being sold a bill of goods. How about what's good spiritually? Hang on to the good confession. Hold fast to it. Because he says, God is faithful. Because guess what? Jesus isn't a liar. When Jesus said, come to me, and you'll find rest for your souls, he wasn't lying to you. He's not a Russian bot. It's real. Come to the one who is true. God is faithful to his promises. Come to him. Are you holding fast? The stakes of worship are high. And finally, that priority of worship, the priority. Apparently, they stopped meeting together and he, he says this, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is Sunday, the first day of the week, gathering together. That's what's in view here. It's also the community life that they share, gathering together for the purposes of being Christians together. It's community group. It's prayer group. It's Bible study. It's intentional conversation and friendship. Don't give up meeting together. Apparently some in the ancient world, and there was stuff going on. There was static and some persecution, some heat on the church, but they are neglecting this, which he's like is forming and is super important. It's a priority. You know, I, I've noticed that there seems to be perfect weather for church. Here's the perfect weather for church. And um, I'm not speaking about those who actually have health concerns and can't come out when it's super cold and, you know, those who are watching online because they're really sick. I'm going to make fun of everybody else. So I just want you to know who I'm talking to, okay? So the perfect w weather for church seems to be, can't be too cold because that would be chilly getting out of the car in here, or wet, that would be uncomfortable. And it also shouldn't be too good because then we maybe we'd wish we should be somewhere else in the mountains and the beach. So church weather is kind of in the middle between those two things. Really? <laughs> we don't want to be legalists. We're like, hey, we don't want to be legalists about church. 
I would just ask you, is that our problem? I don't think it is. I don't think we have the priority that's normative for Christians throughout all time and is in the scriptures. We deprioritize it. Redwoods are the tallest trees. The roots are sometimes as shallow as five to six feet. They can, at most, it's 12 to 14 feet, hundreds of feet tall. How do they do it? They're interlocked together. They hold fast together. They stand together. When you don't come, our choices affect other people. It's really awesome to see people from your Bible study here, isn't it? It's good to be in a full room. And when we make not good choices, that affects other people. We stand together. Don't neglect the priority of worship. Don't neglect the importance of meeting together. And let's meet together. And this is what happens in community life and Bible study. Jesus is real. Loving people is important. It's true. No matter what you're suffering, let's be with you. Let's pray for you. Let's stand together. It's important. It battles our individualism. I'm really glad we can have this online and allows people who are exploring Jesus to check this out, uh, who aren't ready to come. It allows for the sick. And also, it makes it easier for people to just be online when let's just admit it's better in person. It is. A secret that's not a secret, it's better in person. To be together in the same room, to sing God's praise, to receive the Lord's Supper. Bob Heppe uh, was a son-in-law of Jack Miller, who was a pastor of this church in like the late 60s, early 70s. And Bob Heppe came to faith. His story is so wild. He almost got a doctorate in philosophy at UPenn, super smart guy. When he became a Christian, everyone figured that the huge Bible he carried around was a new way to store drugs. <laughs> and it took him a few years to pay back all the people he had stolen from. Married the pastor's daughter. He's a church planner. He's been a church planner in a neighborhood in London for years. And uh, Hindus and Sikhs and Muslims have come to faith there. This is what he said living for God is like. Living for God is like going down a one-way street the wrong way. The only way to do that is in a convoy. So I want to ask you, are you in the convoy? Are we prioritizing what God prioritizes? Are we neglecting the priority of worship? Uh, let me make this really practical. Prioritize, plan, and prepare. Prioritize. The way that our calendars sometimes appear, we've been trained to think that Sunday is the last day of the weekend. It's actually the first day of the week. Most calendars reflect that. So here's the priority. Think of it this way, and this is what we're doing. The first day of the week, we give the first part of that to God. Give the first part of the week, the first part of that to God, to honor him, thank him, recognize everything's from him. God, you are more important than everything. And it's kind of heartbreaking now, like every kind of practice, every kind of thing for a kid, people schedule stuff on Sunday morning, and so you have to be a Christian weirdo to be like, hey, actually, we have church that time. Let's prioritize it. It's the first day of the week. It's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. 
Skipping water for a day won't kill you. It's not going to feel good. Not going to be good for you. Plan. Plan. Shape your life around it. Make it your practice. Honor God with that. See what happens. I've told some of you about the, there's a reminder on my phone. It's been going off in my phone for 15 years. It says Saturday Night Live, Sunday morning dead. It's a reminder to myself, Huber, get to bed early. <laughs> Be ready. Be ready to come. Plan for this. Be ready. And I, I pray on the way. Hey, this would be a cool new tradition. Everyone pray on the way to church. When you're driving in your car, someone say a prayer. God, meet us. Help us to love people. Honor you. Pray we'd hear from you. Pray we'd give you the glory that you deserve. Pray we'd be present with people. Pray we'd be encouragement to people who are like, what is this? Why am I here? Pray we'd be encouraging to people coming back. Pray. Prepare your heart. Jesus calls us to build our life around the worship of the living God. There are other sirens asking you to build your life around the worship of other things. And Jesus says to come to him, learn from him. He's lowly in heart. He's so kind. Learn from him. He calls us to build our life around the worship of the living God to make it the rhythm of our lives. Can we do that together? Can we repent together and seek him allow me to pray for us let's pray lord jesus i pray that we'd heed your call uh, lord we pray that the wonder of worship would be seen i pray that the wonder of worship that you and your holiness came to rescue us that we'd get that we pray that also we'd see what's at stake and that we'd love each other in this. We'd hold fast to what is true together. Uh, we, we pray that it would be the priority and the rhythm of our life in a way that would honor you and be good for us and good for the world. Help us, meet us, um, lead us in repentance. And we thank you so much for the wonder of Jesus Christ. And we love you and pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or in person on Sundays at 9 and 1045 a.m. Hope to see you there.